our feet. We just want to welcome everyone here today watching online at St. Tammany Parish Jail, the Orleans Justice Center. We are here to celebrate the Most High King. We are thankful, God, for everything you've done for us. Oh, we worship you. Come on, let's just set our hearts right now. I once was captive. I once was captive by the enemy. He had me thinking I was out of reach. Oh Jesus, mercy shut his mouth. Sing I once. I once was crippled by the weight of
Father, that you are a healer, you are a comforter, Lord God. You're a provider, Father. We worship you today, God. Let this be a place where you
Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives, God. We don't take it for granted. Lord, your word says wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. So, Father, we're grateful, God, that as we come into your presence, Lord, we're able to see you for who you are, God, and our lives are changed. But we thank you, God, for your love for us and for inviting us into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you this morning. So, yes, he is good. We are going to go ahead and uh, take communion this morning. Just uh, three little notes about our communion time together. First of all, the table of the Lord here at Church of the King is open, which means that you do not need to be a member of our church to participate. So we invite everyone who's here with us today to participate in communion. Secondly, in just a minute, our ushers, I'm going to release the ushers in just a minute, and they're going to release you. Uh, to come forward and and, uh, take the elements from our team. In fact, our communion team, you guys can go ahead and get in place, please. And uh, you guys can come up and get that from them. Go back to your seat. And then number three is I'll share just a couple of uh, words in Scripture, and then we'll all partake of the elements together after we do that. So we're going to go ahead and continue to worship as you guys come forward. I'm going to ask the ushers to begin to release you now.
share a couple of brief thoughts as we uh, continue. You know, each time we come together and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, Jesus says about this time that we're to remember, we're to remember what he did for us. What a powerful thing that he did for us. You know, the scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And oftentimes we end up carrying not just the guilt, but the shame associated with our failures. And what's awesome about our time together in communion is that this is a time when God can really open our eyes to see how he took our failures and his blood washes away all of that sense of shame. And so as we pray together today, I'm I'm really praying that every one of us would have an encounter with God in this moment. And that if there's any shame that any of us are carrying, that God by his spirit and and by the power of the blood of Christ would wash that away as we celebrate this time. And so I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 26 and just to remind us of what took place the night before Jesus was crucified, gave his life for us as he fulfilled really what the Passover was all about. And that was he became that sacrificial lamb. And this is what he said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. Lord, the body of Jesus that was broken, Lord. God, that was, that was given as a sacrifice for our sins, Lord, to redeem us and to make us right with you. And Lord, I thank you that in the body of Christ, just like your word says, by your stripes we are healed. So Father, I thank you that we receive forgiveness of sins. Lord, we receive freedom from sin. And Lord, we receive healing in our lives, even in our bodies today. So, Father, we thank you for the provision of God in the body, the broken body of Christ that was given for us in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread right now. I'm going to continue to read from Matthew 26. It says, then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, God. Lord, I thank you that that blood washes us clean, 
makes us white as snow, God. And I thank you that all shame is washed away. And I pray even now, Father, in the name of Jesus, if any person in this room is carrying the shame of their failures, God, that they would receive your forgiveness today and the cleansing of the power of the blood of Jesus. Lord, we receive it today in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and partake. Father, we are so grateful. Lord, we're so grateful for what you did for us, God. And we celebrate, Lord, the victory of the cross as we continue to worship together this morning. In Jesus' name, let's continue to worship him right now. Thank you, God. We worship you, God. Lord God, that fear no longer grips our lives, Lord. We have been set free by the power of the gospel. And Father, your word says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed, Lord. God, we thank you that we live in freedom. We walk in freedom because of the power of the cross. In Jesus' name, let's give the Lord praise. Give him your best right now. Father, we worship you, God. You are good, Lord. You are good. All right, all right. Well, welcome to church, everybody. So good to worship together. Why don't you guys say hi to somebody before you sit down? All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. You guys are looking mighty good. You're looking really good. Welcome to church. So good to be in church this morning. Great to worship. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful to worship Jesus on a Sunday morning? Come on. So good. Well, I want to welcome anyone that may be a guest with us today. We are just delighted that you're with us. We want to say welcome. Thank you for being with us this morning. There is a card that's located in the seat back just in front of you. If you're a guest here this, today, please take a minute, grab one of those cards and uh, fill it out and place it in the offering bucket when it goes by in just a few minutes. We'd simply like to send you a letter thanking you for being with us. Additionally, I'd like to invite you uh, to stop at Guest Central, just in front of Guest Central, right out these doors in the, uh, in the uh, commons of our church. And I'll be there after service along with some of our pastors, and we would love to be able to say hi to you. 
hear a little bit of your story and how you came to be with us today. So if you have a minute, please stop by after service and say hey. So I've got a few announcements coming up on the screen. Let's check that out. I'll be back in just a minute. One of the ways we experience God's love is through relationships with others. At step four of the growth track, you'll discover how your life can be impacted through small groups. Step four is this Sunday at one o'clock. Lunch and childcare will be provided and you can find more information in your bulletin or at churchoftheking.com. Good. Well, we, it is the end of uh, February and uh, heading into March, and each year at this time, we are excited to be able to release our annual report. And so I'm happy to announce that our 2018 annual report is available for you in the Information Central desk after service if you'd like to grab one of those. And this really documents the testimony of your faithfulness throughout the year of 2018, the impact that you made through your giving, through your serving, through just your faithfulness. And uh, really exciting stuff. I do want to highlight one statistic that is, that is listed in here, and that is the fact that in 2018, we had... We, had, we almost doubled, right at doubled the number of water baptisms from the previous year. And I think that's something we ought to be celebrating. Isn't that great? That's lives changed by the power of the gospel. 622 water baptisms, just incredible, incredible statistic. So 2018 was a great year. And we are even more excited about 2019. And in case you weren't here last weekend, we talked about the fact that God did an absolute miracle and dropped, it just gave into our hands of stewardship an incredible campus in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How many of y'all were here last week and heard that announcement? Pretty exciting. Or if you saw the million or so social media posts about that since last week. What is even more exciting is in four minutes from right now, 
we are going to kick off our first uh, launch interest meeting up there. We probably have 150 people up there serving this morning. We're expecting a big old crowd. Yes, y'all give it up for the dream team that's up there this morning. And I mean, 50 acres, 200,000 square feet, right nine minutes from LSU campus. Man, you guys are a part of something that's very exciting, and God is doing great things in our midst. It's just a miracle. And so we stand overwhelmed at the grace of God and his incredible provision. And, it, and the, I, I know we all feel privileged, God, that you would allow us to be a part of what you're doing. It's incredible. So exciting times here at Church of the King. So I'm going to ask the ushers to get in place. I'm going to worship the Lord with our giving. Why don't we go ahead and pray for Baton Rouge and uh, as we head, in, head into our, our giving this morning. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of being a part of what it is that you're doing in this community and across this region. Lord, thank you for the, the, the opportunity, God, that you give, have given us to steward your influence, Lord, the kingdom of God in the city of Baton Rouge. And Lord, to continue to increase your reach throughout this region. And so, Lord, we do pray. Lord, that there would be a tangible sense of your presence on that campus today, Father. We pray that you draw people from all across that community, Lord God. Lord, people that need Jesus, Lord, people that need to encounter you, and even labors for the mission. Father, we thank you for that. And so we just pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done there. And Father, we thank you for it. And so, Lord, we do bring to you today, Lord, what the Bible calls our tithe, God, the first fruits of all of our increase. And God, over and above that, our gifts for missions, Lord, to the poor and to all the projects that we have going on through our Beyond campaign. Father, we thank you for your provision. So, Lord, I pray that you bless your people as they give today, God. Lord, whether we're giving in this weekend's offering, Lord, whether we get through online giving or text giving, Lord, all, every time we do it, God, we know that it's, it's you that provides for us, and we do as an act of faith, trusting you as our source. And I pray that you bless your people as they give today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys as you give.
wanna welcome all of our campuses today. I wanna welcome our South Shore, Gulf Coast. I every week wanna welcome the men and women in the St. Tammany Parish Jail, the Orleans Justice Center, all those online, Facebook Live. I wanna welcome you guys to the seventh and the final message in our series entitled Above the Noise. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? So excited to have you guys. Well, this has been a series that I've particularly enjoyed. I always love uh, reading scripture, hearing about how God uh, has given us the privilege. It's really a privilege uh, to hear his voice. I want to say just three things. Number one, I want to just honor the 1,100 small group leaders uh, that have really shepherded and stewarded over nearly 11,000 people. Can we give it up for the small group leaders? Come on. You guys are amazing, every single one of you. Hey, by the way, number two, just because this series is finishing doesn't mean your small group needs to finish. Just because we're getting on to another topic next week doesn't mean that we need to quote, well, you know, I'll see you in heaven. No, no, hang with those folks. Okay, hang with them, hang with them. I do wanna say number three, I'm really excited. I'm gonna be starting a new series during Lent and it's gonna be, uh, I'm calling it one-to-one. And I'm going to be looking in the Gospels as six unique encounters uh, that Jesus had. Three women, three men. Three, uh, six unique encounters that Jesus had uh, with these particular individuals. It's going to be a great, great time. Today, I want to finish up our series talking about how to hear the voice of God. Again, we've talked about God speaks through his word. We've spoken about how God speaks through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Week three, I talked about how God speaks through godly counsel. I said that every single one of us need to have somebody in our lives, a group in our lives. Do you trust anybody enough to give you what I call outside insight? Moses, the Bible says, is the humblest man that ever lived. And yet, he had Jethro. Jethro who said to him, the thing that you're doing, Moses, is not good. Moses was judging the people all day long. They had a long line. I don't know if it was a mile or two long, but he had all these people that he was standing. He was, he was, he was arbitrating between all of the civil issues that we're dealing with in ancient Israel. And Jethro said, his, his father-in-law, hey, Moses, 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 the thing that you do, it's not good. In other words, is there anybody in our lives that we trust enough, any godly people in our lives that we would allow to speak into our lives. We all need people like that. Week four, I talked about how God speaks through dreams and visions. Again, some of you maybe have never heard that before. It's something that I've taught on uh, three times. I know over the last 19 years, I've talked about how God speaks through dreams. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, he stood up and here's what he said. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, quoting the scripture. And here's what he says. He says this, he says, part of how God speaks is through dreams and visions. Pastor, how do I know if that dream is from God or this vision's from God? I gave you a template to evaluate, somewhat of a checklist to evaluate. Does that dream in your heart, does it contradict scripture? Have you submitted it to other godly people in your life? Again, God will speak to you through dreams and visions. I finished up last week, and I wanna encourage you, if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you to get that. You can download that CD uh, or, or online, the podcast. I talked about the difference. I've never taught this before. And I saw this a couple of weeks ago. I talked about the difference when a circumstance comes into your life. How do you know to discern if it's a demonic 
circumstance. Paul says, I've often tried to come to you twice, but Satan hindered me. So how do I know if it's a demonic circumstance? If it's a demonic circumstance, I need to resist it. If it's a circumstance that I created, then I need to repent for it. But there are times when it has nothing to do with the devil. The circumstances in our lives have nothing to do with our poor choices. But God sovereignly allowed a circumstance into our life. Why? Because God is trying to protect us in the present and to position us for our future. So there are times you either resist it if it's demonic, you repent for it if you created it, or you receive it if it's from God. Today, I want to talk to you about how to maintain spiritual momentum. Spiritual momentum. We've just come off of seven, six glorious weeks. Again, nearly 11,000 of you in small groups at all of our campuses. And, and, and it's a spiritual high. It's something that you experience. I've heard more testimony, by the way. I want to thank all of you for emailing me. I've had more testimony people have come to Christ. Pastor, I had my neighbors and small groups. They would send me pictures. One group had 32 people. And uh, I tell you, it's a little bit cheesy for a pastor to be able to walk into a coffee shop at 6 o'clock in the morning and see people watching something that you're doing on computer. It's a little like, oh, gosh. It, I was excited because people are learning the word. It felt a little bit weird for me. But you couldn't go into a coffee shop or a restaurant in the whole entire region the last seven weeks without seeing something related to this small group series. Powerful. Come on. Isn't that powerful? That's not about me. Trust me. It's gross for me to see myself like that. But I love people seeing the Bible, hearing the Bible. I love people hearing about Scripture and learning the Scripture. So you've experienced this wonderful thing. What do you do from it now? What, what happens now? It's interesting. I was reading this week, and I thought to myself, I thought, what would be the time in my life or in the gospel, what would be the thing in the gospels that I would be most attracted to if I could have lived during the time of Jesus? What event would I have liked to see? I've actually asked that before. Some people said, man, I'd love to be there at the birth of Christ. I mean, the beginning, just right there. The whole thing, that would just be so powerful. I've had people actually say, because I've asked this before, oh man, I want to see, I would have loved to have been there at the, listen, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? By the way, you ever thought the gospel of John, why Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth? Because if he had just said, come forth, everybody would have come forth. It would have been like a Michael Jackson video. You know what I'm talking about. If you didn't get that, you're not my age. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry, Lord, if that was sacrilegious. But anyway, Lazarus, come forth. Maybe, maybe some of you would say, you know, I'd have loved to have been there during the resurrection itself. I'd have loved to see when the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I'd have loved to see the body of Jesus where the Holy Spirit starts to hover and just invigorates in that, and, and that shroud comes off and boom, Jesus comes forth. Man, I, I would have loved to see that, Pastor. That would be powerful. However, I'd, I, I would have liked to see another event. And I'll tell you why. June of 2015, I had the opportunity with my daughter to go to Israel. I've been to Israel several times, three times. And in June of 2015, my daughter graduated from high school. And it was really exciting for her. And she, I said, honey, I said, I'd like to go on a trip with you. Uh, and she, she I said, is there anything you want to do? She goes, well, I don't really want to go on a senior trip. My friends, I would like that. You've been to Israel. I'd like to go to Israel with you. And I thought, man, that's awesome. 
How many know that's powerful when your daughter wants to go to Israel with you? I kind of wanted to go to Destin personally, but anyway, so I said, but I had to act spiritual. Yeah, let's go to Israel. Praise God. But anyway, I'm just being honest. It's church. You got to be honest in church. No, I'm just playing. But, but, but I'll never forget, I think it was day seven or eight, we were with a guy who's an incredible Jewish believer, Messianic believer. And we were with this guy, and he was bringing us through the scripture in Matthew chapter 16. We were actually in a place called Caesarea Philippi, which is in the northern part of Israel. That, that's, where, that's where Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's when Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Then Peter says, you know, after he basically says, don't go to the cross. And Jesus then says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How many of you know all kinds of things were happening in Peter's life? But right after Matthew chapter 16, there's Matthew chapter 17. Listen to this where Jesus walks up a side of a mountain, which is the Mount Hermon. has a very beautiful range. And my, my daughter and I went with the guide, and we walked up that mountainside. And when we walked up that mountainside, there's actually an, an, an ancient fortress that's there. And when you look out, it's amazing. This is the highest place in Israel, 9,200 feet above sea level. It's powerful, watch this. On the other side of this mountain range is Syria. You can see Jordan in the distance, and on the other side of the mountain range to the northwest is Lebanon. So there's Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and of course Israel. And it was at that moment, somewhere, Matthew chapter 17, the Bible says where Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and they went to a high place. And the Bible says when Jesus got to this high place with Peter, James, and John, all of a sudden his body was transfigured. The scripture says that, that all of a sudden Jesus began to, there was, a, there was the glory of God that was encapsulated. In, this is powerful, what I'm about to say. There was encapsulated in the body of Jesus. All of a sudden, it began to come out of him. Then, Peter, James, and John looked, by the way, that was his inner circle. Then they look at Jesus, and the next thing you know, Moses shows up, and Elijah shows up. Whoa, Jesus is shining, Moses shows up, Elijah shows up, and then a voice from heaven cuts through the clouds. This is my son. So you've got, you've got heaven audio systems coming down, boom. You got Jesus glowing, I mean, the power of God, and Moses and Elijah show up, which by the way, them as Jewish boys study all about in the Old Testament scripture. And Peter. By the way, I've, so, I've told you all this before. I, I like Peter. I relate to Peter. Peter was always saying something. Peter was always saying something, sometimes at the right time, sometimes at the wrong time. Peter was, Peter, Peter was like me. If he was in the second grade, he would have been put in the silly box. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, was, I couldn't shut up as a kid. I mean, they just put me. They, they did things to me that, that, that teachers would be sued for today, by the way. I mean, they would, you know, I mean, y'all remember that? And they just cram you in closets and just shut up, kid. But anyway, so that's what Peter, Peter would say anything. So here's Peter. You got Jesus shining. You got a voice from heaven. You got Elijah and Moses. And here's what Peter says. This is amazing. Let's stay right here. As a matter of fact, Jesus, don't move. Moses, don't move. Elijah, don't move. I'm making three tents for us to sleep right here. Jesus looks at Peter. This is Peter. 
We can't stay here. Let's go back down. Listen to me closely. There are times when we experience a spiritual high, and it's so powerful. It's so amazing. Now, let me say this. I want to go on record. I've never seen Jesus physically. I've never heard a voice from heaven. I've never seen Moses. I've never seen Elijah. I do live with an angel. Please tell her I said that. Please, she'll be at the next service. Please text right now, my wife, please. I've never experienced something like that, but I have been in the presence of God in worship where I'm crying. I'm like, this is amazing. It's like, you, you know what I'm talking about? It's almost like there's a moment where you're lifted above all of your problems. You're not thinking about them. You're not thinking about your bills. You're not thinking about your problems. You're not thinking about any relational friction. You're not thinking about all that stuff. And there's, you're just captured in the presence of God. There's something that's so powerful. Maybe some of you in a small group, you've experienced something over these last six, seven weeks. It was so powerful. You were just captured. You were praying together. And here's the tendency. We want to stay right here. But Jesus says, we got to go down here too. But here's the thing. We may change geography, but we can bring the presence and the power of God with us wherever we go. How many of y'all are grateful that we don't have to leave God on the mountain? Are y'all with me? The question is how? How do we maintain spiritual momentum? Some of you guys have come to Christ. We're going to have a baptism coming up that... That we've had, we've had literally record people come to Christ, record people attending things. I mean, our, our every, everything, it's just like off the charts, everywhere. So, so the question is, after this series, some of you guys have experienced Christ for the first time. You, you, you've come to church. You've never, man, I'm hearing about the Bible, and man, I'm getting a lot out of this teaching, and, 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 and Pastor Steve preaching, and, 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 and so what do, where do I go from here? How do I maintain spiritual momentum? There, there's a group of people in the Bible they're called the Hebrews. Now, hang with me for a moment. In the Old Testament, God's people were the Jewish people. When Jesus came on the scene, and then was, he lived and was crucified, was buried and rose again, when the book of Acts started, which was the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Acts of the Apostles, when the first century church began, the first Christians were Jewish Christians. Y'all know that? It was first Jewish Christians, then Samaritan Christians, then Gentile Christians. The question is, what happened to those Jewish believers with their other Jewish friends when they came home and said they were saved? I'll tell you what happened. They came under a lot of persecution. Hey, you gotta know what? Man, I went and heard this cool rabbi named Paul and I gave my heart to Jesus, the Messiah. We're not waiting for him. He's come. How I many you know there's a lot of friction if you go home and tell your family? Are y'all with me? Some of you guys have experienced that thought. You know what? All of a sudden, the vibrancy of Scripture and the vibrancy of the Bible's come alive to you, and you're talking about Jesus and your family that actually prayed for you, and now they think you're weird because Christianity's become personal to you. These Jewish believers were under tremendous persecution, and there was this tendency in them to, 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 to back up. They've experienced this high. They've been with God. They were born again. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But, 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 but it's actually, it is recorded in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. The challenge for this whole group of young Christians to keep spiritual momentum. 
I want to talk to you today as we finish up this series. Again, I'll be beginning, I'll be beginning a new series on Jesus, Six Encounters with Christ. But I want to talk to you about three quick things, and then we'll close. Three ways that we can maintain spiritual momentum. I want to ask for a show of hands at all of our campuses. How many of you guys that have gone through this series, whether on the weekend or in small group, can say, God did something in your life the last six or seven weeks? Would you just raise your hand? Okay. Question is, how do I maintain that? Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to talk to you today about maintaining spiritual momentum. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And two, we do not know, by the way, who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some say Paul, some say Barnabas, some say other apostles. We're not exactly sure who wrote it, but we do know the church fathers believed that this was canon. This was part of the scripture to be the canon in scripture that was inspired by God. And so here we go. Again, this is a recording of Jewish believers in Jesus, the Messiah, that had experienced this dynamic experience with God, with Jesus, and they were being challenged to back off. The writer is giving them some insight and how do you maintain spiritual momentum? Question to you guys today. How do you maintain spiritual momentum? After experiencing what we've experienced in the mountaintops, how do we take what we've experienced on the mountaintops down into the valley? Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. The Bible says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, watch this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. I wrote this down. I think this passage becomes for us a great template a great template of how we can sustain what God has done in our heart. Again, it's not just these last six weeks, but when you have these experiences with God, you have these dynamic outpourings of the Spirit, when your heart's been revived, how do you maintain it? I had somebody tell me this when I got saved. Here's what they told me. They told me this point blank. Steve, you're on fire for Jesus now, but it will wane. I'm an older Christian in the Lord, they said, and I'm telling you, that happened to me too, but over time, and I just, and I say this respectfully and honor to all those that have gone before, I rebuke that thought. That thought is not from God. You can be as on fire for Jesus 30 years after being a believer as when you gave your heart to Christ. How many of y'all believe that? You don't have to wane. I don't believe that. It's not to suggest we don't go through seasons. It's not to suggest that we don't grow and develop, but we can still be in love with Christ. That's like marriage. You can be in love with your spouse 30 years. You should be growing in love the same way that we're growing in love with God. Let me give you three things. Number one, I believe one of the first keys in maintaining spiritual momentum is we need to find strength from those that have gone before us. Strength from those who have gone before us. I had a guy tell me one time, you've heard me say this before. He said, Pastor, I wish that I was in the Bible. I said, no, I don't. Would you really wanna be in the Bible? Would you really want your life in the Bible? How about Peter, right? The great apostle, flesh and blood is not revealed. You know, thou art the Christ. And, 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 and then would you, okay, that's power. That's mountaintop, right? And then Jesus shows when he's, the scripture shows when, when, when Peter is denying Jesus in front of the little peasant girl, 
Would you really want all of your sins in the Bible? I mean, King David, would you want his sin and then his, I mean, come on, y'all. Do we really, but the thing that I love about the Bible is the Bible is not just a history book, but it's a book of history recording the lives of men and women that dynamically walk with God. And by the way, it showed their ups and their downs because guess what? I have ups and I have downs and I need somebody that's gone before me that didn't quit. Somebody that didn't quit. Hebrews chapter 12, I'll read this verse again. It says, therefore we, have so, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the witnesses the writer's talking about? Read Hebrews chapter 11. I've never been to uh, Canton, Ohio. I know in Canton, Ohio is the hall of fame. By the way, we've got a friend of mine, Aeneas Williams, who's from New Orleans, who's in the hall of fame. He was a defensive back. Uh, NFL. He's phenomenal. He's a great Christian. He's a pastor in Ferguson, Missouri now. And he's going to be one of our men's speakers. You don't want to miss it. I've never been to Canton, Ohio. I've never been to the Hall of Fame. But, but, but I do, I've heard about it. And I heard when you walk by and you, you just kind of, you're walking by and seeing history. These great, these great football players and all that they've accomplished. But, but I have been to the Bible and read Hebrews chapter 11, which could be called the Hall of Faith. Men and women that walk with God, that accomplish great things for God, that did amazing things with God. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, the people of God, they didn't have an easy life. Matter of fact, some were ridiculed, some were mocked, some did not make, some were martyred for their faith, but, but, but they never gave up their faith. They stayed strong in God, they, that regardless of their circumstances, they stayed true to God. They stay true to Christ. And the writer of Hebrews says this. The writer of Hebrews says, there is a cloud of witnesses that surround us. Question, pastor, my grandma went to heaven. Does my grandma see what I'm doing on the earth? I believe she does. I don't believe that we can communicate with those people in heaven, but I do believe in heaven they're watching us. Bible says that they're a cloud of witnesses. They're in the grandstand. The grandstand of heaven, what are they doing? They're watching us, and not only they're watching, they're cheering us on by their lifestyle, by their choices, by their, listen, they're cheer, heaven is trying to cheer us on to say, don't give up, keep pressing in. It's interesting when you begin to think about these great Women of faith, the great men of faith. I think of Moses, I think of Noah, I think of Esther for such a time as this. I was born and placed in the kingdom. I mean, what, a, what an incredible woman. You think of all these people, there's something, about, there's something about drawing inspiration from the men and women in the Bible, and there's something about drawing inspiration for the men and women that are godly that are in your life. Some of you guys have connected with relationships in small groups the last six weeks. Those people in your small group, maybe it's your small group leader or another mature believer in there, that's not by happenstance. I don't believe in any coincidence in the kingdom of God. I believe that God put that person there and God put those people there. Why? Because God wants to bring you some mentors to give you both the good and the bad in their life, but how they didn't throw in the towel, how they kept going. I think of Pastor Doug Arman, who was a small group leader to me. 19 years old, I gave my heart to Christ. I'm a freshman at Tulane University, and I get born again. And, and let me tell you, all my friends were not excited about that. 
And I remember the struggle, but I remember Doug calling me on the phone and encouraging me and coming to Bible study in 1987, uh, November, December, and uh, 1988, January, and February. And, and, and there, was some, there was something about having somebody that had gone before me. And there's other, there was other people in my small group that were just a little bit further down the road. Do you realize the value of having a mentor or somebody that has gone just a little bit further down the road? I love what Denzel Washington says about mentoring. He says, show me a successful individual and I'll show you someone who had real positive influences in his or her life. I don't care what you do for a living. If you do it well, I'm sure there was someone cheering you on, someone showing you the way. I thank God for not only Hebrews chapter 12, those that are in heaven in the grandstands, but I thank God for the different men and women in my life that have prayed for me and those that have, that is, that have shown the way. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about it right now. What person has God put in your life or what people has God put in your life that God says, stay close to them, they'll show you the way? Number two. The second thing that I think is important for us to maintain spiritual momentum is we've got to learn to put off that which trips us up. Put off that which the writer of Hebrews says it this way. Let us lay aside two things, two unique things. I want everybody to hear this at all of our campuses. They're not just one, but there's two things we need to lay aside. Number one, we need to lay aside every what? Everybody say it, every weight and the what? Say it, the sin which so easily ensnares us. You know, I'm not a... Um, I'm a jogger. I don't do a lot of races. And uh, it's interesting about races, by the way. It's, it's, it's fun when you, when you get fired up. My, my, matter of fact, I had a couple people on our team. Y'all may have heard this. It's gone through the church. But we had three staff members that ran, I think, the rock and roll marathon a couple weeks ago. And uh, two of which were not training at all and just thought, that would be fun. <laughs> no, that would be dumb. But anyway, so... <laughs> They haven't walked since. But anyway, so <laughs> isn't it fun when you go to those races? Though, just be honest. I'm going to tell you why you do it. You do it because of the adrenaline on the front end. I mean, you, your family's there. You're amazing. You're awesome. You know, you're out there and, and you're all ready to go. And you get run. You know, I've, I've never run a marathon. I've run some 5Ks and some 10Ks. And that, that's it. And I'm, I'm a jogger and I'm not a long distance person too far, three miles. And so, so I've done so. And it's pretty cool when you're there in the 5K and the 10K. And let me tell you why. Because you're all fired up because everybody's there in the beginning. And you just take off. And you always take off quicker than you should. You know what I'm talking about. Because people are there cheering you, you're like, you know, then you get around the corner, you're like, that was stupid. Oh my gosh. Because they're not cheering you on. It's the same thing in our walk with Christ. We need people cheering us on, but we also need to make sure that we're aware of things that can hold us down. You know, uh, I read this, uh, speaking of running, I read this about a guy, the longest marathon in recorded history. You guys know what it is? Five days, I wrote this down, here it is. It's a guy from London, the slowest marathon ever. His name's Lloyd Scott, he's famous. And he ran the marathon in five days, eight hours and 29 minutes and 46 seconds. But unlike other runners who were wearing running shoes and nylon shorts and a tank top, this 
runner was wearing this. I think I have a picture. Do I have a picture? Yeah, right here. A full scuba suit with a hat. So here it is. Are you with me? And it took, this is not him, but it's something like him, all right? And, and so here it is. You guys ready? Five days. Five days. All those people in those little shorts, which are really too short. But anyway, so you know that looks weird. But anyway, so, and all those people running by, it's not because he wasn't in shape. It's because he was weighted down. How many people are running past you? Not because they love God more than you, but it's because, it's because you're weighted down. You got things in your life that are weighing you down. Two unique things. Number one, I think the writer of Hebrews says, number one, we've got to let go of those things that are ungodly. Now listen, I know we don't talk about it in church anymore, right? But that's called sin. Sin is what? An attitude or an action that displeases God. You read in the Bible. You read in the Bible things that, 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 that displease God. Listen, sin's not a bad word. Sin is something I want out of my life. I don't want, to be, I don't want any hang-ups and habits that displease God. Now, we all have them, but I want to get better. Why? Because I'm running the race. By the way, the Christian life is not a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. But I don't want to have to wear, I don't want to wear a scuba suit. I want to let go of this stuff. Are y'all with me? You're never going to forget this. I look weird, don't I? <laughs> but you're never going to forget this. Number one, I got to let go of the ungodly, but let me tell you what else I need to let go of. You ready? I need to learn to let go of the unnecessary. That's not the ungodly. That's just things that you don't need. I don't know. Maybe it's too much, too many Seinfeld reruns. I don't know. Too, too many, too, too many. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's, I don't know. But I bet you the Holy Spirit has talked to you the last six weeks and you've seen in the word, there's just some things that are unnecessary. There's things that are just outright sin, but there's also things that are just unnecessary. And by the way, the unnecessary are subtle. Let me give you one of mine. I just watch too much news. I just, I get consumed with it sometimes. And, and it's, it's not like I'm sinning, but I think I'm being unwise because my body and my, when you start dreaming about the news, it's too much. Is that not true? It's like, Steve, that's too much. What, 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 what is it that's in your life right now? Here it is. What is it right now in your life that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on? What is ungodly or what is unnecessary? Y'all with me? The Holy Spirit is talking to each one of us. What is ungodly? You need to let go of that. That's unforgiveness. That's ungodly. That's racism. That's ungodly. That's, 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 that's lust. Let it go. Let it, let it go. It's going to lead you down. Let it go. Let's get the power of the cross to get victory over that thing. Let's, 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 let's let that go. That's pride. That's ungodly. That, let, let, that pride comes before a fault. We don't want that. Let's let that go. Right, come on, let's let it go. But there's unnecessary. What's unnecessary? What are the things that are just, just complicating our lives that are not healthy for us? Got a couple more scriptures, I'll close. Listen, do you know that there's an analogy that Paul writes to Timothy that the analogy of how we are to, to walk as Christ's followers is that of a soldier and an athlete? Second Timothy says it this way, 
Chapter 2, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life. doesn't mean you don't have a job. It means the unnecessary. The unnecessary. That he or she may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Have you ever thought of yourself as a soldier? The Bible does. I want to be, I want to, I want to be on point. I want, to be on my, I want to make sure, Holy Spirit, what are the things in my life that I simply don't need that are weighting me down in my race? So number one, I'm inspired by those that go before me. Number two, I need to learn to let go of some things so that I can stay free, so that I can walk and I can run and I'm not weighted down. Let me give you the third one. I wanna talk to you. I want every campus to hear me. I got three minutes. This is important. I'm gonna give you what's called a spiritual paradox, a spiritual dichotomy. Here, Here it is. I need everybody to lean in on this. In one sense, we look to people to inspire us and to instruct us, but we never look to people to save us. So let me give you the third and final thing, all right? Here it is. Keep a single-minded focus on Jesus. Let me give you the scripture and I'll close. I'm talking about how to maintain spiritual momentum. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. Looking unto who? Everybody say it. Jesus. Wait, pastor. I thought I looked at my small group leader. Your small group leader inspires you but Jesus saves you. Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. What was he saying? There's times that I'm not following Christ the way I should. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let me say this about Pastor Steve. You can be inspired by me, but you always look to Jesus. You don't look to me. You get close enough to me, there's things in my life, there's things, there's attitudes, there's fleshy things that all of us have. So I'm gonna tell somebody, follow me as I follow Christ, but there's times where I'm not following Christ the way that I should. Are y'all with me? By the way, let me encourage the small group leaders. We never build people under ourselves. We always push people to Jesus. That's good discipleship. Good discipleship, it says, we look to Christ. So it's not that we don't say follow us, but we say follow us as we're following Christ. We're pointing to Christ, not ourselves. Now, let me finish with this. Pastor, what are you talking about? How do I personally keep my eyes on Jesus? What are you talking, how does this practically happen in the 21st century? What do I do? Go to Israel and just look at the tomb and wait for him to come out again? What what, what am I doing? How how do I do that? Because Pastor Steve, you don't understand, I'm busy. I got a lot going on in my life, so do I. I got a lot of stuff going on. How do I practically keep my eyes on Jesus? Watch this. Do you know we all have a sickness? All of us struggle with a sickness. It's called a hurry sickness. It's a speed sickness. All of us, our lives moving personally, professionally, things going on all around us. And, and, and it kicks into our adrenaline and we start rolling and we wake up in the morning, our mind is filled with thoughts and, 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 and we got the day and not bad things, but just, just stuff. How do I keep my eyes focused on Jesus? There may be a better way for you. I'm not judging you. I'm simply saying what I have to do. If I don't wake up in the morning and spend time focusing on Jesus, my life gets so distracted during the day. There's something about creating margin in my life and and, and hearing God's voice. I'm ending this series the same way that I started it. I'm bringing it all the way back to spending time with Jesus. 
That as I wake up in the morning, as I hear God's voice, and as I uncover God's voice, I'm, I'm focusing it on Jesus. I, I appreciate all of my leaders. I appreciate our board. I appreciate the different pastors in my life. But, but I'm not looking at them as my salvation. I'm looking at them as my inspiration. But I'm focusing on Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. I'm going to say just a couple things. As we end up this series, again, I want to encourage everybody to continue in your group. There's other topics we're going to be doing. I'm going to be starting a new series. But If you're in this place, you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus. You're not sure about your relationship with God. I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their heads just for a moment, please. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure about. Just I've got literally one minute. Please stay with me. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with Jesus. I, I'm not sure if I die today that I'm ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you. Every one, every one of our campuses, all of you that are standing, every campus, those that are watching, whether it's in the prisons or the jails, all over the place, I just, I'm talking directly to you. Do you know Jesus? You know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before him. If not, I want to pray for you. I'm going to take one moment. The Bible says whoever calls upon that name, the name of Jesus. Remember this. Steve can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Be part of a de denomination doesn't save you. Having a wife or a husband that serves Christ doesn't save you. You must trust Jesus as your Savior. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. He shed his blood to wash you clean. It's Jesus who saves. Do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray in just a moment. I'm going to ask at the count of three just to lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, at the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high? One, two, three. Quickly, just hold your hand up. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, buddy. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you up top. Anybody else? Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. With those that have trusted Christ, church, let's pray together with them. Can we, can we pray together? This is the most important decision they could ever make right here. Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this, say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this, say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. Give me 15 seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior at all of our campuses, there's a card behind your chair. I'm going to ask you to check what you did and how you committed your life to Christ. In Guest Central, there's some pastors. We'd love to meet you or up front. By the way, we have a prayer team. We'd love to pray for anybody for any needs they have. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us how to hear your voice, how to walk with you, how to grow deeper in love with you every single day. I bless your people as they go forth this day in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said...
Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we bless him? God bless you guys. We'll see you. Have a great weekend.